Namaste. My name is Callie Klug and I am a yoga teacher and Reiki practitioner in Orange County and I am very passionate about healing. This is the Your Own Medicine podcast, so welcome. Here we explore the countless modalities to healing through authentic chats and honest interactions. So let's discover how to be your own medicine. To easily integrate daily wellness, yoga, meditation, and breathwork into your routine, check out my Yoga Island virtual yoga studio and community online. I have more than 60 recorded videos of yoga and meditation content on there. The goal is to make it really easy and doable for you to weave these ancient and effective and powerful practices into your daily routine to effectively change how you feel about yourself, your life, make you feel more empowered, more at peace in your physical body. So check it out. It's only $5.50 a month. Give it a try. Namaste. All right. Hi, Anjali. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. I'm so happy to have you here. So you are from Folsom. Are you from Folsom or from El Dorado Hills? I live in Folsom, which is right outside of Sacramento. Okay. So that's where I'm from as well for anyone listening. Okay. So let's get right into it. Who are you? Where are you located? And what do you do? All right. It's a big question, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, who am I? I'm just a person (laughs) on, you know, I'm a person, I, you know, there's so many different labels that I could have, but I'm really just someone that really wants to work on my own evolution, my own growth, to learn, to grow, to be of service uh, to people that I come into contact with. And uh, my profession, I've been a psychologist for many, many years. I've been doing therapy for 30 years. And then yoga came into my life in a big way in 2009. And I started teaching vinyasa yoga that year. And then I traveled to India for the first time in 2014. And then my world just kind of exploded and how yoga integrated into my life and Kriya yoga and breath work and mantra, like the, you know, kind of like the whole shebang of Mm -hmm. yoga just kind of took over. And I started becoming really interested in how Kriya yoga impacts the nervous system and the brain and can help people with trauma and help people heal and evolve and you know, shift their addictive patterning and to start to feel better in their lives. And yeah, so I love right now, I love sharing like so many things. I love sharing Kriya yoga and breath work and meditation. And I bring that into kind of everything I do. I do Vedic astrology too. And in addition to readings, I give people different practices that they can do to find a place of uh, stability within themselves. And um, I think that's one of the most important things that we could do for ourselves is to find that place of stability and peace 
because when you have that, it kind of permeates into every aspect of your life. Right. So, so Kriya, so why don't you explain what Kriya is? Cause I think even as I'm a yoga teacher and I still don't fully understand what Kriya is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Most people are familiar with the physical practice of yoga, like the down dog, the warrior two, but that's just, it's, that's just one aspect of yoga. You know, if you have a car, like the asana is just like the tire, right? It's like one little piece. And I kept searching and searching because I felt like I was teaching and I had no idea what I was teaching. I was just kind of sharing self-help stuff, but I really had no idea where the teachings came from and no idea why I was sharing self-help while people were going through physical poses. So I kept searching and searching and that's how I landed um, in India and why I kept going back to just keep learning more. And so Kriya, Kriya, the word Kriya means evolutionary action, right? So any, any action that we take in our life that that brings us to that place of evolution and expansion. So that could be going for a run, taking a shower, like, you know, jumping in the lake, anything that makes us feel fully alive. Mm -hmm. But in yoga, Kriya is a repetitive breath, mantra, and or movement that you do in the body to create a certain energetic impact. So for example, it can be a breath practice that you do for seven minutes to create a sense of vitality in the body, or it could be a mantra that really helps, you know, helps the mind to go into a place of softness and relaxation. Mm -hmm. So there's many, many, many Kriyas. And again, some Kriyas are really powerful to, you know, help you feel empowered and alive. Other Kriyas are more subtle to bring you into a state of peace, but it's really to create a certain impact, you know, like mm -hmm. a warrior two, for example, right? You do warrior two, part of it is to feel that sense of strength, right? And versus like a half pigeon pose, which brings you right. to a place of like softness. So it's like the repetitiveness of the breath and the mantra. Again, it just creates a really quick shift in the mind of the body and, and, uh, the physical body, the mind, the energetic body, the spirit. And, uh, you know, not only that, it impacts the nervous system, the brain health, it starts to shift your brain chemistry, the patterns in the brain. There's just so many benefits. But if you've experienced Kriya, if you're listening, or if you've experienced, you know, you feel it, right? Yeah, I've done some of your uh, breath work. So that's Kriya then what you put on your Instagram. Page. Yeah, there's different like pranayama, like breath practices, but the breath practices that are Kriya, there's just like more of a specific intention. And, you know, certain, like how many minutes you do it, how long you do it, there may be movements in the hands or the arms when you're doing the breath practices. So yeah. do you create these yourself or are these set Kriyas, like the combo mm -hmm. of the breath work mantra? No, no, no. no. Yeah, they, so Kriyas were, um, you know, the birthplace of yoga is in the Himalayas and, you know, Kriyas have been around since the beginning of yoga, you know, and they were passed down in the oral tradition. And you'll hear the word Kriya in the yoga sutras. Um, and they were passed down from teacher to student in the oral tradition. And that's where Kriyas came from. Like yogis, the ancient rishis were just meditating for hours and hours in silence and then would get downloads of mantras of kriyas and 
ways to work with our nervous system mm -hmm. so we can expand our consciousness, right? That's yoga. How do we reach that state of whether you call it God or love or peace, whatever you call it, expanded states of consciousness. And that's part of why we're doing these practices to work with our nervous system so we can see beyond like just our physical bodies. Mm -hmm. And so they were passed down in the oral tradition over the years. And so they, some of them were written down and there's, like I said, you'll see the word Kriya in books. The specific Kriyas that I teach are from the Himalayan tradition, the Vedantic tradition. And my teacher, um, Anand Mehrotra, who created Sattva Yoga, that's the tradition that I teach. Yeah. So I don't make them up. <laughs> okay. Right. So there, yeah. it's a set, yeah. it's a set thing. And then I think you explained this to me when we went hiking, but so there's a difference between Kundalini and Kriya. They're different like schools of. Yeah. So there's all, so um, yeah. So there's different types of Kriyas, right? Like, so there's different, I mean, yoga is all one, right? There's mm -hmm. no separation between like, you know, Hatha yoga and Kriya. It's like, it's all one. Like, I mean, the practice of yoga, like we need everything and we mm -hmm. need different things at different times in our life. But I teach what I call Himalayan Kundalini and the Kriyas that I teach there. Some are similar. A lot of people, when they think of Kundalini, you think of, um, you know, Kundalini yoga as taught by um, Yogi uh, Bhajan, which he brought Kundalini yoga. He was a Sikh. So you'll see them wearing um, the turban on their head. They teach Kriya yoga and their tradition too. Some of the Kriyas overlap and some of them don't and they're in the language of Gurmuthi and then the Kriyas I teach are in Sanskrit and so it's just a different tradition again but yeah so that's the Kriya I teach and what I really love about what I teach is I like to combine everything like the physical practice and the Kriya and the breath work and do standing breath work and sitting breath work and just kind of let things flow through as I teach so it's fun. Yeah. That's yeah. super fun. I remember going to your studio. This was a few years back. I don't think I took a class with you, but I had never experienced a yoga class like that before where it was, I was asana. And then in the asana, we're doing pranayama breath work. And there's like mantra. And I think that was my first ever experience with, with any kind of thing like that. I had just come back from India but it was still new to me even then. And I was like, it, it was really powerful. It was a really strong shift of state, I noticed. Yeah, it really starts to shift you quickly. Like when you do, for example, an ego conquer, you know, Kriya for three minutes, like you feel differently very quickly. And so that's what I think so powerful about Kriya and why I like to use it with people is because when we you know, say we don't have time to go to an hour long yoga class, but we notice that we're in that spinning mind. What do we do when we're in the spinning mind? We call a friend and talk about it, or we go mm. eat some cookies or drink some coffee and not like those things are bad, but like it gives us the power to shift our state, right? And once yes. we shift our state energetically, we can look at the situation that happened from a different perspective. And so I think that is what's so powerful about these practices. It's great if you can get away for an hour long yoga class, but if you don't, you can do it like a mantra, 
a mantra-based kriya or a breath-based kriya and shift your state of consciousness quickly and get yourself back into alignment. I think that's so valuable too, because right now what you're saying with the, when your mind is going, that's anxiety and everyone has anxiety now. Like everyone has, maybe not you, because you're really into the Kriyas. (laughs) So many people have some level of anxiety, especially now with all the shit that's happened in the last, you know, year and a half, two years. And to have a tool, like you said, a lot of people me included, even if we know the tools, maybe we don't use them. Like you said, maybe we'll turn to food or we'll call a friend or, but having those tools, like you're saying where, or, and also the awareness to stop and, and do the breath work. That is so freaking valuable. Yeah, totally. And you know, the thing is I have struggled with like addictive patterning, anxiety, depression, trauma, all that stuff in my life. So I've, and I've, done so many different healing modalities and the Kriya has been something that I've been doing like the thing that has helped me most in terms of working with my nervous system and you talk about we have these tools but to get people to do them is really challenging so part of what I do is I have programs to support people um in having a consistent meditation practice or breath work or help them find a meditation that they're able to consistently follow through with. And so I really am inspired to support people in that because I feel like without that outside accountability or it feels like nothing is happening because you sometimes you won't see a shift immediately, but it, but over time, if you have a consistent meditation practice or breath practice, you will see a dramatic shift in your life over time. But sometimes like it isn't automatic. It isn't that quick fix, but I can share that I've led many, many teacher trainings and I, I have all of my teacher training students meditate daily and they usually stop after the training's over because there's not that accountability. And I have students all the time. I'm be guilty. Like, yeah. They say like, that, I'm like, oh, right. They have, yes. they've said like, oh my gosh, I had no idea the meditation practice was like working or helping me. And they only noticed it when they stopped. And then they were like, whoa, I had no idea that it was helping me feel so grounded and stable. So I really love people to support people in having a morning sadhana ritual Mm. that they can do that can be useful to them. Yeah. I want to share one more. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. Well, no, please. You know, you mentioned anxiety. There's like different Kriya sets. So there's a Kriya set for anxiety in particular. And I'm actually doing like a little soft research study in October. I'm having people do a 21 day practice of doing a specific Kriya set and giving them the Beck anxiety inventory before and after to see if they just incorporate this one thing to see if it actually creates a shift. Like I know it works because I say we're our own best researchers, right? Try something, see how it works for you. If it works great, if not, try something else. But I just want to see. So anyway, if there's anyone that would have an interest, it's just a free program to just kind of see. 
That's awesome. That reminds me. So I was just at Mammoth Yoga Festival, which was so awesome. And there was this woman speaking. Her name was Anusha. I don't remember her last name, but she runs the um, meditation. They do this meditation program for women with breast cancer and it's all clinically studied, you know, so it's super legit. And their purpose of this meditation is pain management. So she kind of, like you said, gave her group of people, the people that were being studied a five minute meditation practice. I think it was part breath work. It was just deep breathing. There was no holds or it was, it was very, uh, trauma sensitive breath work. So no holds or fast exhales or whatever. And then just, I think a little bit of visualization, five minutes cut and dry And she said that they saw a huge shift in page pain management, which like, that's, that's crazy. Cause you think, oh, well, pain is so physical. I mean, pain's so complex, like pain science. We have, you know, a lot of it's has to do with our (laughs) neurology too. It's coming from our brain. Where do we experience pain? It's like there's pain centers in the brain. And what's so interesting about meditation and breath work is that you're actually shifting your brain patterning, right? You're creating new neural pathways in your brain. And that's why it's so powerful. And also you're impacting your nervous system. And, you know, a lot of times when people have anxiety, it's and they try to do a breath practice in that moment, or they go into an addictive pattern, it's because their nervous system, their physiology is like firing, and they're just trying to feel better. And so when you do just even five minutes a day, right, of a consistent breath breath practice, like long, deep breathing, you're integrating that into your body, right? So you're something that you do every day, so that when you get anxious, or you have pain, you already know how to breathe. Like, oh, okay, I'm just going to breathe. And what does breathing do? It just turns on the parasympathetic nervous system. And when you're more relaxed, you're less tense, there's less pain. When people are in pain, they tend to tense up, which creates more pain. So it's all connected, which is just so cool. Yeah, it's really crazy. So I think... You're so interesting because you were previously, well, you still are a psychologist, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is super cool. And now you teach these yoga practices. What is the difference you think between impotency or effectiveness, or even just how they're different between traditional therapy, which is super valuable. And also Mm -hmm. this Kriya breathwork meditation practice? Like what is the difference in teaching it and the results that you see? Yeah. And it's interesting because it's hard to separate, right? I'm doing this or this, right? (laughs) I'm doing therapy or I'm doing like, I'm teaching someone Kriya because it's, it's all connected. So traditional therapy, and I think therapy is shifting as well. Like traditional therapy, when I learned, I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years and how I learned it was all talk therapy. So you were talking, you were talking with people and learning about their childhood and learning about their patterns and, and using a lot of like the cognitive piece, right? Understanding their emotions, but a lot of cognitive understanding. And I think an understanding of ourselves is really useful. 
I think also being heard is really useful, having someone hear your story and also the connection. I think interpersonal connection with someone is so valuable. And there's been a lot of studies out there that show that that's a one consistent thing that change pe changes people is that connection. So when I was doing therapy in the past, I was doing, it was mainly intellectual and talking about emotions, which is useful and impactful. And I still do that with people. However, I think the understanding of giving people the tools like a meditation practice or breathwork practice or Kriya is you're not only working with the mind and the awareness, but you're also working with their nervous system. And so many people have had trauma and where that lies is in the body, right? So, or people, you know, they hear a sound and their body's reacting, right? So it's not necessarily the mind because the mind's like, I am safe in this moment. There's nothing going on, but the body is reacting. So through yoga, you have a connection with your body. So a lot of the work I do is somatic work right now to get people like, where do you feel that in your body? right? Like, where do you feel that emotion in the body? And then how do you release it? Like with a breath practice, like how do you make peace with being in your own body? Because I think so much of the time people are in their minds and checked out. And when you connect into the body, it can be really uncomfortable for a lot of folks. So that's a lot of work. Like how do we tolerate being with ourselves in the moment? And having a daily meditation practice is just that, being with yourself. And, and that's what yoga is, right? Being present mm -hmm. in the now, which sounds so freaking simple, but it's so challenging. It's even challenging for me, right? Just mm -hmm. noticing when I check out and just coming back to just a simple breath. It could be very simple. Right. I think a lot of us too that live with traumatized nervous systems, it's uncomfortable to be present, like you're saying, just be in the now. It's really uncomfortable for people who have those traumatized nervous systems that are like almost constantly living in the sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy. I think it's pretty normal to disassociate from the body. And like mm -hmm. you said, the trauma, you can solve it on that intellectual level, but the body will freaking remember it's so crazy how that there's that saying your tissues have issues yeah and it's you know and when you practice things come up right like tears and laughter and anger and fear and can we express that and that's why I love mantra and I love mantra and also some of the practices that we do it's almost like we're ah, like letting it out of the body. So we're releasing things in the body that we don't even maybe know were stuck or why they were stuck. And so I think a lot of times we want to know why, 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 instead of just allowing an experience to flow through us and, and, and to just let it be right. To let the tears roll without having to always understand it or where they came from. But can we be with ourselves in all moments and find that place of comfort and ease? And that's the time on your mat, your meditation cushion is just finding that place. Like you said, we don't want to be on our body. How can we come home to ourselves? 
And that's really what I, I, I might read someone's chart or I might give them a meditation. I don't have a one size fits all. I really try to be with the person in front of me and look at where they're at and what would be most useful and beneficial to them. So they can get in touch with their own intelligence inside, because I feel like everyone has their own wisdom, their own truth. And a lot of times I'm working with people to trust themselves and to trust their body. Yeah. Especially when we have that disassociation, it's so, you're not sure of how you feel. You're not confident, like literally what you're saying, you have to relearn that, that trust with yourself, with your, especially with your intuition, which I feel like is the first thing to get, not obviously cut off, but silenced or rejected when we're living in a traumatized state, you know, Mm -hmm. if someone is listening to this right now and they are connecting with this, what we're saying about disassociation. And like you said, coming home to your body in meditation, that's a beautiful way to put that. And they maybe, cause I know a lot of people try meditation when they're anxious and I've done this too, where I'm anxious and people say meditation's so good for anxiety. So I sit down and I'm like dying in my body because I'm just uh, ruminating in the thoughts. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give someone who wants to try to change their state with meditation? Yeah. Meditation, like sitting in silence is, is is almost like torturous for people. So I, if someone's new to meditation, I give them practices, like tools that help to calm the mind, right? And it depends on where the person's at. I might give them a mantra to repeat over and over again, or I might give them a breath practice or a walking meditation, or maybe a grounding meditation, like naming objects in the room to ground yourself in the moment if you're in that heightened state. So, so, you know, when you're in that state of anxiety, it's not, it's not going to work to sit down and just come to your breath. It's going to create more. So there's different practices that you could do, like name objects in the room, ground through your feet, go put your feet in the earth, things like that. But it, starting a meditation practice, like a, for example, a breath-based meditation practice every day, first thing in the morning, when you're not anxious, will over time start to reset your nervous system because you're turning on that parasympathetic nervous system. So you'll have more access to that. Does that make sense? So it's like when you're practicing, like start with five minutes a day of just deep breathing or start and work up to 10 minutes to 15 minutes. So I really try to find something to where it's not like it's not too complicated. I often refer people to apps too, as a place to start. So you can start being with the self and witnessing the thoughts and that over time, the thoughts will dissipate. It's like, you'll learn to not react to the thoughts and the thoughts will come up. You'll notice them, they'll rise and then they'll pass. And there won't be this strong reaction, but it takes practice. It's like building a muscle. You have to practice and without a consistent meditation practice, it's just not going to work, right? Because people try to do it when they are anxious and it's like, well, it's not going to work unless that's, you're practicing, right? That's such a good analogy, the muscle, because I've been there too, where I'll be super anxious and then I'm like, okay, okay, let me meditate. And I sit down and I feel like shit because I'm just free. And 
like you're saying, you need to know that practice of, of how it, well, first of all, how it feels somatically to feel relaxed in the body, to even be familiar with that, with your meditation practice. And then when, when you are anxious and when you need to reach into the toolbox, you actually know what it looks like, what it feels like. Yeah. And understanding, like what you said, the somatic to know before you're in a full-blown panic to notice like the initial signs. And if you're present, you'll, you'll, I mean, that's, that's all of, of yoga is noticing yourself and then being able to kind of work with kind of what's happening in the body, the mind, the body, the spirit, it's all connected the the energy of the body. And a lot of the Kriyas are really noticing what's happening in the energy. And when you shift your energy, when you shift your breath and pranayama breath practices is a way to shift the energetic body, the mind and the physical body will start to respond. Yeah. It's crazy how powerful that breath work is at that workshop. I went to too, with Anusha, someone asked, cause they had this breath, this meditation practice of 10 years and they were meditating every day for 20 minutes. And they were really dissatisfied with with their meditation practice. And they're like, what can I do to, uh, what did they say to rewire my neurological pathways? They really want, I Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what they were looking for, but yeah. But she said the number one most effective thing that you can do is pranayama, like hands down exactly what you're saying. It's the fastest way to change your state. Yeah. And you know, it's like the foundation of my lineage is like meditation, but for me personally, before, I mean, I, my daily sadhana, I do this ceremony called puja, but then I do about 20 to 30 minutes of breath work before I go into my silent meditation, because that is what I need in order to kind of get my nervous system to the point where I can sit. And so when I work with people, instead of having, there's no right or wrong way, it's just finding something that people can do consistently. And over time, your practice will grow. So it's, people are listening, just start small, start playing with looking at one of the meditation apps and try a couple different things and see what works for you. And then different things work at different times in our lives. We need different things at different times. And maybe first thing in the morning doesn't work for you. Your meditation or your daily ritual could be lighting a candle and setting an intention. And that's a great start. And then, like I said, it will start expanding over time. That's great. I love that, that idea of just having that morning ritual be lighting a candle, setting an intention for the day. Cause yeah, for some people, I I've tried to do a morning meditation, roll out of bed onto the floor, doing my morning meditation. That just doesn't work for me, but I could totally light a candle and have an intention and just start my day with that intention, which sets the tone because I feel like a lot of times we're just rolling around, not knowing what the hell is going on or what we're yeah, doing. Totally. And it's like, when I first started having my, I mean, I first learned to meditate at age 27 and I'm 54 now, but when I started getting really, really consistent where I won't miss a day because it's just become a part of my life. It feels awkward if I don't show up. And it took me a while to get to that place. And it it does take discipline at first, but it turns into this devotional practice, you know, but 
you know, people's lives are, I think people give up because they feel like they're not perfect. And that's part of a meditation practice. It's like you start to learn about yourself, the way that you sabotage yourself, the way that you give up on yourself, the way that you don't create space for yourself. But it has been the thing that has kind of like just been the saved me on. So helped me to get through so many different circumstances. But when my kids were small, they're teenagers now, but when they were small and I wasn't sleeping at all and they were waking up early, like my practice looked different, but it's like finding a way to, so like I said, I really like to support people and help them with accountability. Like I have people text me that they did it just to like build in that, again, that muscle of showing up. And oftentimes when we work out, we feel, we see a physical change. And so when you're meditating or incorporating a breath practice, you may not see like over time, you will definitely feel and experience a change. I promise you, but it may not be tangible because how we feel and what, you know, it's like, but I am a completely different person than I was years ago when I started this practice. And I had a daily vinyasa studio practice for years, but it wasn't until I started my daily, you know, my Kriya, my breath work, my mantra, where I, where I really started to see huge shifts in my life. And so on that note, what is the most, so either in yourself or in a client that you've worked with one, two, whatever, how many stories, what's the most powerful effect or consequences that you've seen from a meditation kriya breathwork practice yeah i i'll I'll just give my example because i don't like to share private stuff but i will think of something to share anonymously but for myself i like i said i had a daily vinyasa studio practice every day i spend a lot of money on babysitters so i can go like before my boys woke up anyway. And then I was seeing clients. So I had, and I was teaching yoga, but I would come home pretty much every night from seeing clients. And I had no idea how to work with the energy. I think I was, I was just taking on energy of other people. And I would come home and drink like a half bottle of wine every night. Like that's the only way I knew how to like calm my nervous system down. I wasn't educated at that time, even though I was working with a lot of trauma with clients, I wasn't working with it in terms of the somatic and I didn't understand all the nervous system and how to teach people breathwork, all of that and how to clear my own energy. But over time, like I don't take on clients energy because I know how to do breath practices and energetic practices to kind of like listen to people but to not take it on in my body. I also know how to release it. I know how to, I don't, like, I don't need to drink wine, you know, like right. I know how to work with my body and my energy. And that's like a huge shift. I've also cultivated, and I also think I've cultivated the capacity to be with myself. Mm-hmm. I think part of that, doing that every night was not wanting to be present in my own, in my own body. I talked to a client this morning as well. It's like incorporating we just gave like a small practice, like three minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, right? Just like those two grounding practices. They're both breath-based practices. And just the most, I think the thing from that client was just feeling empowered. 
and aware. Just having two small practices, more awareness of what she was doing in her life, how she was treating herself. Like how I, I think, I don't want to share her story, but I think it's empowering when you show up for yourself in that way. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be big amounts of time. That, that word you're using empowered is that is so powerful because when we're empowered, we, like you're saying, we have this awareness from that awareness. And that's something you said she also gained or if your client also gained from their, this practice, we can take responsibility for our life, whatever that looks like. Like you said, coming home, drinking wine, not knowing how to deal with the I'm sure the super heaviness that you were experiencing as a therapist with working with people and that place of being empowered is like the best place you can be yeah and it's yes for sure and showing up for yourself and knowing yourself and we are bombarded with so much information and so many people telling us how to live and what to do. And, you know, and I think creating that time for silence to listen to ourselves is super important. And that's been the other greatest thing, probably the thing I'm most proud of in my life over the years is just my relationship with my boys and how that shifted because I have the capacity to not check out as much and be present with myself and tolerate my own emotions, my own anger and sadness and have not be with only the, you know, the quote, good emotions that I want to feel, but to be with all emotions has given me this ability to be with them and to really be with them and, and accept and, and love them and be with them and all the experiences that they're having. So if you can, create time for silence in your life, then you, like I'm doing the silent retreat just because then your own voice starts to bubble up. And I, if you don't do that, it's like, you're going to be bombarded with so much noise. And so the silent retreat day I'm creating to give people that experience of how to be with themselves in silence and get to that place where it just feels freaking amazing and I've had experiences like that in India where the first part of our day we're practicing but we're in silence so we can listen to our like our own voice can start our own truth can start to bubble up because we're all so different and I really just want working with people I want people to like step into their gifts and to really begin to see their beauty and see their uniqueness and everyone has something to offer you know but yeah if we're never silent we can never get in touch with that right right and that voice too like the voice of fear is so loud and easy to hear and also easy to feel in your body but that voice of ourself or god or whatever it may be it's so quiet and if we're constantly stimulated, which we, most of us almost always are, we have the opportunity at least for constant stimulation with everything, you know, devices and social media and everything. And so we can only hear that 
voice or those downloads, or like you're saying that inner voice, that real self when you're quiet, which is hard to do if you are used to always being stimulated. So I think that silent retreat, if I was in Folsom, Mm -hmm. I would so go to that because that even the idea of it's a half day or is it a full day? Yeah, it's a full day. It's a full day. So one full day. Yeah. So the idea of one full day of silence, like it attracts me and it literally terrifies me at the same time. Yeah. And, uh, but when you reach that, I just finished a breathwork training and, and we did meditation every morning and practice. And I'm sure you've experienced those moments with groups of people where there's just like, oh, you reach that place of silence and there's just so much like beauty and joy and lightness and uh, like it's, it's uh, you can't describe it. Like when you've had that experience of just feeling that like, uh, it's just like an exhale, right? Where yes. it just, it's once you reach that point, you don't want to leave. And once you've had that experience, it's like, that's what kind of keeps you hooked in. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. It can be like scary, like, oh my gosh, but you know, we're going to be meditating and, and doing Kriya yoga and taking a hike and then having time, like just by ourselves. And it's like, almost if you've been a runner, like the first 10, 20 minutes can be a little bit like, but then you reach that kind of like that flow state where it feels like you can run forever. And that's what Kriya does as well. You're, what it does in the brain, these Kriyas, you know, that we do for, you know, seven minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, like the first few minutes, it's just like, uh, and then you start to kind of turn, tap into that flow state where you're really shifting that neurochemical environment of the brain and, you know, starting to, we can produce like things like we can impact the serotonin levels and the dopamine in our brains by doing these Kriyas to have those peak experiences. And we can create that with the Kriya, with the breath, with meditations and start to enliven that flow state, not only in the moment, but in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all kind of seeking that high. Yeah. Right. We're all chasing that in some way or another. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and when we do these, like, you know, just a room of people chanting mantra and just like, it's, ah, oh, it's just like so alive and music. And I'm sure all of you listening have had those kind of amazing experiences. And it's like, we're just creating that for ourselves as we practice. Or even in a flow class, right? You just start, it's like where you're not even doing it. It's just, you just start to become the flow or the Kriya or the breath. And uh, it's really magical. Right. Oh, that's such a good word, magical. It really is. When you're in that place of mental relaxation and somatic relaxation, because I think we think too of, oh, meditation, I want to achieve that inner peace of mind. But when you do all these things that you're saying, it's like full body, mind, soul, (sighs) exhale, just like you said, that full, delicious exhale. Yeah. And some moments are uncomfortable, just like if you run, some days are great, some days aren't, but it like doesn't matter. 
you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. It's like not attaching to what experience we think we should be having. Right. Right. It's, it's, you know, consistent meditators, they have more activity in their prefrontal cortex. So we're impacting the brain, but it's just this practice of actually even just showing up for yourself every day will start to shift how you feel about yourself. Totally. You know? That's a huge act of self-love. Yeah. Let's move to the lightning round questions. Okay. So these, I haven't told you these yet. So feel free to pause and think about them. No need to come up with an answer right away. So the first one is what is one message that you would tell your 13 year old self? If you could go back in time. That if this is the first thing that came to me, <laughs> like everything isn't her fault, you know? Yes. That she's not bad, that she's, you know, beautiful and wonderful and um, she doesn't have to hide and shrink. Mm. She can have, have a voice. <laughs> I think every 13-year-old wants to hear that and feel that. Number two, I don't even know how you can follow that up. That was so good. That was so beautiful. I felt that in my body when you said that. Okay, we'll try and continue on. Number two, what is the single biggest thing that you think we can do as individuals to heal the world collectively? Uh, to work on, and this is going to sound cheesy, but to work on our self-love. Because if we're in a state of love, if we're in a state of honoring and accepting ourselves, we're more likely to be kind and compassionate towards others. And if we're in a place of self-hatred and self-loathing, that's kind of what we spread. And you can witness that in yourself, right? Just witness yourself when you're angry, when you're frustrated, how you treat people versus when you're in that state of feeling amazing. Like people can do whatever and you're not going to lash out. So I think if every single person was working on coming into that state of love, it would change our world dramatically. Amen to that. What is your favorite or most powerful affirmation that you use or have been using recently? Hmm. Affirmations. I don't use affirmations a lot. Or mantra. <laughs> yeah. Which whatever, yeah. whatever resonates with you. Yeah. I use mantras a lot. Sanskrit mantras. Um, I'm currently using a Durga mantra that I love. Um, so yeah, I love Sanskrit mantras. And you said Durga? Mm -hmm. Is that the Kundalini language? Uh, no, Durga is a deity. She is um, a goddess that uh, is riding a lion and has long hair and, and just wild. And she is who she is. Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of her. And I love using that mantra. That's one that I'm doing in the mornings. I always do a Lakshmi mantra, connecting into that beauty, that abundance. And yeah. That is super cool. Yeah. Is, and that's recent, so badass. And recently, like I said, I just turned 54 and it's, I've been going through this phase of 
I've just kind of my whole life, I've just been that hard worker, just working my booty off all the time. And I'm in this place where I'm really shifting into having more ease, more ease and joy. So that's kind of, I guess, a mantra. What is going to bring you the most ease in this moment? And just letting go and finding softness and letting go of the conditioning of we have to work so hard. Right. I'm really working on letting go of that conditioning and trusting um, that I'm supported, that I don't have to keep exhausting myself and uh, to just have more fun. Do you use a mantra or affirmation to get you to that place? Or is that just something that you're kind it's of just working something, on energetically? Yeah, just, yeah, just something that's in my awareness. And it's interesting because I have so many people like, what are you doing? Yeah, because I want to know your secrets and that, like, and I'm like, I am just trying to find as much ease as possible and just self-acceptance and love. And it sounds super cheesy, but yeah, especially as women and our whole culture, just work, work, work. And how are you going to get money? And that's so much of the messaging and just trusting, like, like falling into the arms of the divine, so to speak. We still have to take action, but this is my specific process of just finding more, what's going to bring me the most ease and sharing from that place of like desire and joy versus I have to do this to make money. Right. Um, yeah. I love that idea of ease too. Cause when you say it, it's like, well, duh, of course that totally makes sense intellectually, but how often do we, me, <laughs> face a situation and instead of like you're saying kind of saying what would bring me the most ease we almost choose to create even situations that cause us dis-ease it's so programmed sometimes like you're saying especially around the working and the making money if we're not stressed out we're not working enough like I don't know who yeah. came up with that shit, but totally like we have to be busy. And as a yogi, as you know, as a yogi, it's just aligning your energy. And I say this in my classes, you're just aligning your energy and then you become like a magnet and draw situations towards you versus trying to go in the other direction, right? Having an idea making it happen. It's like working on your energetics, working on your mental, your physical, like your energetics and things will happen. It's like, it's like magic, yeah. but we're so conditioned the other way around the outside in. And it's like shifting the inside and things, ideas will come to you. Situations will come to you. You'll, you'll have different experiences, just like, bing, like people will sign up for your thing, your trainings. Like just how did that happen? You know? I remember when I saw you in Folsom, we were kind of talking about this and abundance mentality and literally exactly this and, you know, shifting. Cause I think I was in that space too, of shifting from overworking into this space of ease. And I remember you were telling me that you had a full wait list of people for these retreats. You had people contacting you saying, Hey, I really want you to do all these things. And you weren't even, I think, in a space at that moment where you were offering, like offering offerings, but you had people coming to you because you were in that ab abundant, easeful space. And it's so, like you're saying, it, you become a magnet where it just 
people start crawling out of the woodwork, you know, saying, hey, I want what you have. Yeah. And sometimes it's a time to like be more inward. Sometimes it's a time to be outward and it's just accepting, not rejecting what's happening in the moment. And yeah, but it's a very, it's a different mentality to just go, yeah, things are slow now, but it's so enjoy myself and then things will pick up. And it's like not forcing, not pushing and yeah. It's, it's all stuff like we know intellectually, but living it is, you know. Or even you look different. at the seasons, like the earth isn't yep. on all the time. It's not constantly, well, maybe in some places it's tropical, but totally. it's like we have those seasons of play and then rest and then, you know, work and blah, blah, blah. Whereas when we look at ourselves, well, at least society, there's this constant expectation to be on and working. And it's almost like a badge of honor to be burnt out sometimes, which is what the heck are we doing? So I, I think that's really powerful. That idea of finding ease and everything, like how much easier would life be, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's so interesting. Like my son is a senior and applying to colleges and just like they should be volunteering and working in sports. And the, and I'm just like, how ridiculous is that? And, no sleep. <laughs> you know, and so I've, for me, I haven't made my boys do all that stuff because it's like, what are we teaching our kids? You know, and my son came to me and he's like, I need to give up horseback for a little bit because he's doing AP classes. And, you know, like he knows himself, like he knows like this is too much. I need some time and I can go back to it and you know how he knows that because he watches you probably and he sees how you live your life and then he says oh well mom's tired and she rests and I'm feeling burnt out so I'm gonna rest and it's knowing ourselves right that's what yoga is knowing ourselves and we're all different and so like I said it's just can you sit with yourself and know yourself Right. And be okay with it and accept and honor where you're at in the moment. Mm. Yeah. So, so final question, where can people find you and your offerings mm-hmm. and what are your upcoming exciting mm. offerings that you have going on? Yeah. Well, my website is theawakelife.com. And my Instagram is Dr. Dr. Period Anjali, A-N-J-A-L-I period love. And I have a silent retreat coming up in October. I have that free 21 day anxiety group. And then I have, I just support people in, um, if they want to start a meditation practice, I also do mentorships. If people have, you know, Uh, They can also use their medical savings plan to see me because I'm still a licensed psychologist. And what else? I do Vedic astrology readings, which are super fun. I make malas. I do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, you do. um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I love doing Vedic astrology readings because it just gives you a glimpse as to what's happening in the times for a particular person. And then it, it's, it helps someone to understand like, oh, that's why this is happening. And 
oh, this, these are the kind of types of practices that would be useful at this time. And I think having that understanding of what's happening um, in the celestial sphere and what the impact is and what practices could be useful is really neat and fun. And all that stuff is on my website. Can all of so, yeah. this be done virtually? Yeah. So I do all my sessions virtually. I also, if yoga teachers want to add more into their classes, like, or meditation or breath practices, I teach that as well. Yeah. And what were the dates again for your silent retreat coming up in? Yeah. So my silent retreat is right outside of Sacramento and it is October 16th. It's a Saturday. We're going to be meeting the Friday before a couple hours just to chat and then our day live silence. And then we'll, it's all on my website. And then October 6th is my 21 day anxiety program. And then if you want to work with me privately, I teach meditation to groups or individuals. And again, my meditations are breath-based and mantra-based. And then if you're wanting to do some work individually to work with a specific pattern you're trying to shift or something you're wanting to change in your life. I help people with that, like life transitions and, you know, or things with kids or just themselves personally. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so honored and grateful that you came with all of you have so much wisdom. So thank you for coming Uh, and sharing. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun just to come and share and chat. And so thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Your Own Medicine podcast. Be sure to rate and review five stars only, please. It is much appreciated and it greatly helps to boost the podcast. So see you next time and keep on healing and be your own medicine. Namaste.